You'll have gathered so far that um, we're going to be looking at Moses this morning. We're actually starting a series of talks on Exodus, and um, the text that we've just read is from Exodus 3, verses 1 to 17. And it's the account of Moses hearing God's call on his life. But before we start, I just thought we'd go through a bit about what we know about Moses. We know that he was an Israelite. The first 40 years of his life were in Egypt. He was saved from Pharaoh's death threat after his mother put him in a floating cradle in the River Nile. I can't remember what its proper name was, some, some funny name. But, um, and he was found in the bulrushes by an Egyptian princess. God's hand was there. He was adopted by her, but he chose to identify with his family and ancestry, the Israelites. He was faithful to his people, which resulted in his defense of another Israelite, but he killed an Egyptian in the process. He was then exposed as a murderer and so ran for his life. It reads better than a soap opera, really, doesn't it? But from the start of his life, we can see that God had been watching over him and the Israelites. God sees and hears every concern and heartache for nations and individuals, and he is in turn concerned for us. When we cry out to him, he works on our behalf, and we see in ways we see and in ways we don't see, in ways we probably never will see, but he's constantly working. Remember last week's talk by Matt, God sees the bigger picture. So now we'll turn to chapter 3 of Exodus, and we find Moses now married and tending his father-in-law's flock of sheep in the desert. He's probably been doing this for approximately 40 years, which puts him at 80. So he's getting on a bit, and I say that with respect. I wonder how his, he's changed since being treated as a prince and since fleeing for his life. In Numbers 12, verse 3, we read, Moses was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. We mustn't look at days of nothingness and obscurity as unimportant and pointless. It's often in the dark, lonely places that negatives are exposed and for the Christian, as the light shines in and on these dark places, we're changed and prepared for greater things. God wastes nothing. I read somewhere that God has a brilliant way of camouflaging opportunities to look like difficulties. So if that's where you are now and how you're feeling, be encouraged. God is on the case. The desert. If we look at that picture on the screen, we can see how dry, bleak, and barren the desert is. It's a harsh environment, and it's where Moses was leading his sheep, but little did he know what was about to happen. I wonder if when he woke that morning, whether he thought, hey-ho, another day in the desert, boring, boring, same old, same old, but hang on. And there in front of him is a, yes, it looks like a burning bush. Only the flames aren't burning it up. I'll have a look at this. How often does God use something small, big or strange to get our attention? Is he wanting our attention today? 
What is he saying to us in our solitude? And do we give him time to speak to us? Now we hear... Oh, sorry. Uh, The burning bush stops Moses in his tracks and gets his attention. He saw that although there were flames, the bush wasn't burning up, so he takes a step nearer to really observe what's happening. And now we hear the wonderful discourse between God and man. God starts by commanding Moses to remove his sandals because he's on holy ground. And I, I pondered that a lot to try and sort of put it in context for us and it's as though Moses is having to step away from the dirt and grime of the world and stand with a vulnerability before God. Here he is, a simple shepherd, standing in the presence of a holy God and he's afraid, very afraid, which isn't really surprising. God then reveals more of his character as a God who is compassionate and concerned when his people suffer. He wants to rescue them from their misery, and he hasn't changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says to Moses that in response to the cry of his people, he has come down to deliver them. What Moses doesn't know yet is that he is part of the plan, just as we are. Um, The women's group here at the moment are doing the prayer course, and one of the things that came out of last week's discussions is that we don't need fine, fancy words when we talk to God, just honesty. And Moses is a good example here. I can't think what verse it is, but uh, of honesty as he grapples with the enormity of what is taking place before his eyes and what he's hearing. God the God of his forefathers, is speaking directly to him. Can you imagine it? It's mind-blowing. And he's being commissioned by God. And um, I looked the word commissioned up, and the adjective is um, produced especially to order. Each one of us is produced specially to order. We're in specific places, at specific times, for specific reasons, and God wants to use us. None of those years in Moses caring for his sheep has been, me- has been wasted. He's proving faithful. He's proving resilient. He's proving tough. And he's got great perseverance. God says he has seen the misery of his people and heard their cry. And he then, then says, Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. How would you feel if God said to you, I want you to go to the queen and tell her to give something up? Moses raises his concerns to God and each time God patiently answers them. Moses, who am I? God, I will be with you. Moses, what do I say? God, I am who I am. In verse 13, Moses says, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And it's important to remember that the Israelites had been living under the bondage of the Egyptian for 400 years, 
and must have come under the influence of the Egyptian gods. And there were many. And later, when we read of the plagues God sent to get his people out, each plague was a direct challenge to the many Egyptian gods and goddesses. It's almost Jehovah God versus the gods of Egypt. Thankfully, the Israelites had begun to call on the God of their ancestors. So Moses is told to use God's name. Um, God says, tell them I am has sent you. And the ancient Israelites considered personal names to be of huge significance uh, in the Old Testament. And the name of a person often shows the essence of their personality. That got me going on the name of Moses. I thought, I wonder what Moses means. So I googled it and it said, it was most likely derived from Egyptian as mez, meaning son, but could also mean deliver in Hebrew. Funny that. But according to the Torah, the name which comes from the Hebrew verb meaning to pull out, draw out, which of course is exactly what happened when he was delivered from the Nile by being rescued by the princess. But he also subsequently drew out the Israelites out of Egypt. So that aside, we know that the name of God reveals his nature and tells us about his character. In other words, to know the name of God is to know what he's like. Who he is will be made clear to Moses by how he acts. So God's told Moses to go to the elders of Israel and tell them that the Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to him and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And that, as history shows, is exactly what God did. So what does this mean to us? How does this apply to us? What have we been commissioned for, both as individuals and as a church? How does God speak to us now? Do we listen? In Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, we read, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. If God has spoken to us through his son, what has he said, and is he still speaking? Before his death, Jesus prays for all believers. In John's Gospel, chapter 17, he says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. And after his resurrection, he appears to the disciples and breathes on them the breath of life, the Holy Spirit. And of course, later, when his disciples are together, we hear of fire again. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven 
and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our enabler. Are we willing to listen to where he wants us to go? There are people out there who need a deliverer. People who are held in slavery to social media, fear, addiction, depression, hunger, loneliness. How are we going to respond to God's call and commissioning? Are we, like Moses, ready to be the one God can use? And what about the church as a body? Are we willing to allow God to speak to us and change us? It's not about achievements or success. It's about being used by God for God. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 and 29, we read, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of us were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. I remind you of that previous verse about Moses. He was the most humble man on the earth, and yet look how he was used. So it's our response to his ability, and it's not an excuse to say, I'm too old now. There are many elderly people out there who have responded to God's call with courage and obedience, just like Moses. Yes, he was called as a deliverer and had a specific call to a people, but so do you and so do I. The question is, are we willing to stop, submit, and listen to what God is saying to us today? The desert is a lonely place to be, but there are many faithful Christians who might be unable to join things and go to things, so their calling, their commissioning, is to pray. Um, And I think something that I've become much more aware of recently is the power of prayer. And so if anyone is in a dark place, if anyone feels they're alone, or they're, they're fearful, or they've got problems, please ask someone to pray, because that might be the very call that God has placed on that person to do. So don't waste an opportunity. Amen.